0: Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore it. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa.
1: Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it.
0: Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. I'm Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we're the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than a horny guy with rejection complex and a warehouse full of sex bots. Already. Yeah. And we're coming to you through the courtesy of Podbean and Stitcher, also through the other awesome networks that have added us to their list, including Tangent Bound Podcasts and Musings of a Geek. We are also obviously on the Bearded Pods Network. That's beardedpodsnetwork.com, featuring not only us, but the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast and Teddy and the Bassman. Uh, If you do what we ask you to do listen to us through bearded pods or stitcher but you can also pick one of the other podcasts from all those great networks just to support the community because we don't want to hog all the listens through one network because i'm sure that's what you're all gonna do Yeah, it's not just about us. No, no. That's the beauty of podcasts is we have podcasting friends and we have a whole community that we want to support because the whole community can't ride on the shoulders of just one. We have a specific topic today, but before we get to that, Carissa has a couple things she wants to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, just random stuff from the past week or two that we haven't mentioned or that we haven't had a chance to mention because they happened since the last time we recorded. Yes, The first is, of course, the sad goodbyes we had to say to David Bowie and Ellen Rickman.
0: Yeah, it's been bad. It's been a bad fucking year because it even started before that. For me, the first big death that affected me this year was Lemmy from Motorhead, who, regardless of what you think of Motorhead, they were a huge influence in heavy music. And I'm a fan of heavy music and I do like Motorhead. And he was just one of those once in a lifetime type guys. And you thought that was bad. (laughs) Right on the heels of that, David Bowie which is just the influence that that man had on music in general. Like, again, you don't have to even necessarily like his music. Even if you hated the Beatles, you can't ignore the fact that without the Beatles, we would not have rock and roll.
1: No, absolutely. And I mean, that's that's the really hard part about losing someone with that much influence, yes. is that not that the influence that that person had previously is gone, but now we have lost the chance for future influence from that person and that sort of genius doesn't come around again
0: right and what he did before he died was amazing in that Literally days before he died, he released an album, and it really wasn't widely known that he had cancer. Right. And this album was almost like, well, it was. It was a goodbye. And if you listen to that album before he died and then not listen to it now, it changes the context immeasurably because you knew that he knew while recording it that his time was very limited.
1: Well, and BBC Radio 4 put out a recording that he had done a few years ago with them about the aging and mortality process. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty heartbreaking, actually.
0: Uh, I would recommend, though, if you want David Bowie to put a smile on your face other than listening to his music, if you want a good laugh, I would highly recommend there's a clip floating around from his cameo on Ricky Gervais' show Extras that if you have not seen it and you want to remember him fondly or you want to get him to just give you a nice little chuckle, because I think sometimes that's. A nice way to celebrate someone is instead of being sad, you can remember something, a time that they made you laugh or that they made you feel something. It's a it's hilarious clip. I would highly recommend it. But, you know, the guy's contributions to movies, to music, not that I give a shit about fashion, but to fashion.
1: Just to artistic expression in general.
0: Absolutely. You know, he was not confined by any sort of genre. No. And then we get into Alan fucking Rickman.
1: You know, and I mentioned this to you when it happened, but I don't really mourn celebrity deaths because I only really find it in myself to mourn people that I personally know. Of course. And I don't know any celebrities. I don't even usually have the feeling that I know celebrities just because they're on Twitter or whatever. I know better. They're celebrities I'm not. I don't know them. So, you know, it's like, oh, it's sad that, you know, for example, David Bowie's genius is lost from the world now. That is sad. But it's not really David Bowie that I'm mourning. Right. Because I didn't know him. Right. The only thing I can mourn is whatever influence he might have had had he not passed away last week.
0: Yeah, it's the mourning of the fact that when a brilliant performer or artist dies, you know that that is the end of their work and their influence on your life. Right. Unless you're Tupac. Right.
1: Right. Well, but see, Tupac would have to die.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Sorry.
1: Right. But for some reason, Alan Rickman's death hit me personally. Yep. As if I knew him. Yep. I didn't know him. I hadn't hadn't met him. I don't have an autograph from him. Like, I have no personal connection to him whatsoever. But for some reason, I think it is the only celebrity death that has hit me at home. Just where I live it really really bothered me and I was very distraught for like a day and a half
0: well we all know there's this psychology with celebrity and Alan Rickman is actually the third in the past year that's hit me that way Robin Williams Leonard Nimoy and now Alan Rickman all hit me very personally for some reason I've cried about them all at one point or the other and you know there is this weird thing with celebrity where you know we are not quite insane I think there are people that could make the argument one way or the other but But you sort of understand in times like this how some people take – seeing a character in a TV show or a movie to that nth degree and feel like they're communicating directly to them. Because with somebody like Alan Rickman, I mean, we kind of grew up knowing who he was and being affected by his performances. He's one of those guys that like you walk away from any movie, good or bad. and It's almost always that he was the best part if he was in it, you know? Yeah. There's been a lot of news in the past few years about how Bruce Willis is kind of a dick. I kind of believe that might be true, <laughs> but I want to give him credit for, Fighting back against the studio when they saw the footage, they saw the uh, dailies from Die Hard and were ready to fire Alan Rickman. They did not like him at all. Really? And Chris was like, you're insane. He's brilliant. And he stayed in the movie and is one of the best screen villains ever yeah. because of that. And then you get just wonderful, beautiful, heartfelt performances like uh, Love Actually. He was great in. and But then he goes right back to being the best part of a mediocre not the diehards mediocre but then you know robin hood prince of thieves what was it without alan rickman sheriff of nottingham
1: oh it was nothing it was nothing without he was he was amazing he was a truly yeah. amazing performer nothing he did was not gold
0: i mean come on galaxy quest i quote it all the time by grab hammer what a savings <laughs> it's just one of the best deliveries. And he did so great with Deadpan, but then you you hear all the beautiful words that people are saying about him and you realize that he was apparently a really great guy. Yeah, too. I
1: read the thing that Emma Thompson wrote and I just about bawled my eyes out. I don't get it. I don't understand why particularly Alan Rickman. But for whatever reason, it's really it's bugged me that he's gone. Regardless
0: of whether or not you allow yourself to be drawn into celebrities, there's going to be somebody in your life that you get drawn into. You can be invulnerable to it to a certain extent. You know, obviously, I wasn't with, you know, like Nimoy and, and Robin Williams and now Alan Rickman. But at some point, you're going to feel like this weird, close relationship with them that you can't even describe and you can't even explain. And I think it just basically boils down to the fact that these people have brought us a lot of joy over the years and now that opportunity is just gone.
1: Maybe, I suppose. What's weird is that I would never have thought that it would have been Alan Rickman beforehand Yeah, because I don't feel that way about him. He's would have been, even last week, if you'd asked me before all this happened, would have been probably in my top 15 actors, right? screen actors that I, I really do love to watch because seriously, nothing he does isn't gold.
0: Right. But but like, I didn't know him. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. But there's I don't know. like I mean, there's there's also a tragedy in the age because we live in an age where people are living into their hundreds and it just like Lemmy, Bowie, Rickman, sixty nine, all cancer. Yep. I mean I think that also drives something home with the fact that in the world that we live in with all the advancements we've made, there are still some things that we just simply can't fight for whatever reason. And they're taking away some of our best and brightest. And then, you know, obviously not as impactful as the other things because I like the Eagles. But even then, you know, within another week, Glenn Fry. Yep. It's like, what the fuck, man? What is going on?
1: We're learning to live longer, not better. Right prolonging a shitty end of your life is not better than making the short life that you have good.
0: Correct. Right. Well, and they definitely uh, influence. If you want another little giggle, thinking of Alan Rickman, other than all the roles we already named, right. I just found yesterday a great clip of a behind-the-scenes prank he pulled on Daniel Radcliffe.
1: Oh, he apparently several.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the one I saw was in Prisoner of Azkaban. I like think him and Michael Gambon played the same Prank, if they were at least aware of it, where they slipped a fart machine into a sleeping bag.
1: It's pretty hilarious. Daniel
0: Radcliffe was in. And you just also got that, you know, there's this idea of a refined, humorless English actor, and there he is, like, giggling like a schoolgirl because of farting. You know, that makes him so relatable, and it's just, it's really sad. I'm tearing up a little as we talk about
1: it. Well, we should change the subject then. I just, I didn't want to let the week go by without at least, you know, paying our respects. Oh, plus. About David Bowie, Mm -hmm. which is something I actually didn't know until he passed away. The director of the Warcraft movie, Duncan Jones, is David Bowie's son. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either until last week.
0: I'm probably, I'm sure I heard it at some point, but I didn't know that. Oh, one more Rickman performance that I that I do want to add. I mean, there's so many, but being a Kevin Smith fan, I can't not talk about Dogma. Well, of course, he was so good in that. I won, it's probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie. But anyway, they will be missed.
1: They will definitely. And one more, slightly off topic from our purpose today, that happened over the last week is the Oscar nominations came out. Oh yeah. And um, hashtag Oscars so white. Yeah. Really, Yeah. we've talked about this, we've touched on this a little bit before, and yes. I haven't seen every movie that's been out this year. So for no. all I know, the Academy was perfectly legit in all of their nominations and that those the people that were nominated were absolutely the best to be nominated to win an award for their performances. Fine. That may very well be true, giving them the benefit of the doubt to say even that that was true. Doesn't that then mean that we need to be looking for ways to not only be casting all white people all the time? so that only white people are able to be nominated for their performances. Right. Even if it really was just that the best performances all happened to be the white people, wouldn't that then indicate that there were not nearly as many chances for the not white people to give good performances?
0: Absolutely. I think that is exactly what it boils down to, because as much as you can justify and, you know, I actually saw John Krasinski on Bill Maher's Real Time the other night and he was asked about that. And he said, you know what, I don't think we should be blaming the Academy. I think we should be blaming the system for not having as many good minority roles.
1: Yeah, because they're spending their time casting white people in the Gods of Egypt movie. Yep. Because really, I don't know, I would venture a guess, just my hunch would be there probably were some nomination-worthy... People of color this year. Oh, absolutely. That, that that didn't get nominated. That's my hunch. But I don't know that for sure. Giving the Academy the benefit of the doubt to say they absolutely did pick the best. The best just happened to all be white. Fine. I mean,
0: excusing the fact that even giving an award for best acting is sort of silly. Because how do you actually define who gave the best performance? And you I mean, can't. It's undefinable.
1: And plus, you might actually find the best performance was a uh, fucking somebody in Star Wars. Right, which isn't like an Oscar nominationable movie. Why not though? For acting, seriously, why not? I mean, it could, it absolutely could be. I'm not trying to knock it, but it's never going to be.
0: Well, you know, the biggest snubs that the Oscars give, as far as genres are concerned, are almost always fantasy, sci fi, and comedy. Yes, they don't want to touch on those things.
1: No, they don't. They get the technical awards.
0: They always get the technical awards, and thank God there have been a lot of other award shows popping up now that are like, no, fuck you. We realize this is a a good art. You know, it's just sort of a shame that still in this modern era where again Hollywood should be the most liberal place on the planet that there is still this strange myopic view of what deserves to be acknowledged I don't even watch the Oscars and I am an actor and it's not because it disgusts me or whatever I just kind of find award shows all of them pretty dull and especially now in the days of YouTube if something really great happens I'll just watch it the next day
1: yeah it is the you know If you are in that craft, if you are making your living as a professional actor, that is a thing that lends credence to your abilities. So if you're there, I understand why, because it's already in place. That's the epitome of what you're going for. Oh, look,
0: I don't watch the Oscars, but if I got an Oscar, you better believe I would be there. Be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So,
1: I mean, I kind of get it, but I agree with you. It's a pretty shitty system at this point.
0: Yeah, no, it, it totally is. And I really want to know, you know, because there are so many Academy voters, too. You, you have to imagine that, that not all of them are trying to exclude minorities. And again, maybe if we just had a bigger way, you know, white people are never going to be short on jobs. So right. we don't need to be afraid of that.
1: <laughs> I mean, the only person... Who needs to win an Oscar at some point, and I think everyone agrees now, except apparently the Academy is Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Probably, yeah. And I haven't seen The Revenant yet, but from everyone I've talked to that has, they say he's astounding.
1: I mean, he's deserved the Oscar.
0: Well, he's going to be that guy. He's going to be the Appuccino who gets one. 15 years from now for some shitty Oscar bait movie that he's really not even that good in just because the Academy's like, like, oh, we really should have given him one by now.
1: Yeah, they really should have. I mean, he's had me since What's Eating Gilbert Grape. So at this point, I don't even give a shit what it is.
0: Like <laughs> Yeah,
1: I don't even care. Is he in a movie? Did he act in it? Give him an award.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much did he it. have a walk on. Well, speaking of which, before we get into our main subject, did you see the Saturday Night Live skit about the white Oscars? No. Oh, it's one of the best sketches they've done in a while because it was really sharp and really satirical where basically you know, white actors are getting awards for, you know, a literal walk on like one line part in black <laughs> movies. in the Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty brilliant. Look it up. Everyone listening to this, look it up. It's very funny. It is very fun.
1: Last year, the Oscars were also so white. Oh, yeah. They had the same thing happen. No people of color whatsoever were nominated for anything at all. Right. And Neil Patrick Harris was even like, we're here to celebrate the best and the brightest or the best and the whitest.
0: Yeah. And we got Chris Rock hosting this year. Yeah. That may be reason period, to watch is he, you know, he's always been one of those guys like Gervais and the Golden Globes that doesn't give a shit. You know, he speaks his mind. And I, if he makes some really just kicking the balls, biting jokes about this, that may be worth watching. And I think he will. Well, that's the other people are petitioning him not to host. And I'm like, fuck, let him host, let him host and just rip the shit out. Somebody of
1: Somebody black needs to be on the show. Shit. Yeah, seriously. I mean, come on.
0: I mean, I'm sure they've got plenty of ushers that could get some screen time. Right. <laughs>
1: Jesus, it's just pathetic. They really do. Honestly, that is a thing that needs to change. Hollywood's neoconservatism just has to change. It
0: irritates me. You know, when George Lucas is the person making the blackest movie over the past couple of years, you've got a problem.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Okay, so enough bitching and crying about dead celebrities.
0: Yes. Now we can get into some positive stuff. Well, it depends on how you look at it. (laughs) Because there are camps of people that believe that the thing we're going to talk about today, robots, is a very positive, cool, amazing thing. And then there are people that say Skynet and Matrix. And I'm not one of those people. I think that Robotics is really, really exciting and seems like has taken such a leap just in the last few years. I've cobbled a short list of some of the the actual specific robots I've seen that really get my motor going. Okay. And I'm going to be going through those. Carissa has some more general stuff that she could work from.
1: Yeah, because I'm slightly more in the middle of the coolest thing ever to Skynet spectrum. I reside somewhere in the middle with the cautious optimism.
0: Yeah, there are times when it's chilling. Watching Watson trounce two very smart people on Jeopardy! is kind of chilling. Not that I think that beating someone on Jeopardy means that next phase world domination. But but it definitely is a harbinger of, you know, if you take it to that nth level thing, this robot is faster and smarter than two of the smartest guys in the world. That's kind of scary.
1: I mean, technically he's just a computer, but right. Deep Blue is just a computer and Hal's
0: just a computer. Hal's
1: just a computer. So do you want to start with the scary stuff? Always. Okay. Cracked did an article not too long ago. We love Cracked. We do. We love Cracked. Of course, everyone's probably read it because Cracked gets a lot of views. Yeah. But they did mention a few things that have gone on in robots or in robotics that have been a little bit terrifying.
0: They have mentioned a few things that go in robots. Yes. Lonely guy's penises. Penises. Go in robots.
1: Penises are terrifying and they go in robots. That makes the list. Okay. No. The University of Texas at Austin has given a supercomputer schizophrenia.
0: What? No, I did not read this. <laughs> Just to see what would happen?
1: Uh yeah, basically it's they created a neural network. I don't I'm I don't want to get into defining the difference between neural networks and other sorts of
0: supercomputings, but... You kind of get what it is just by the name. So if you're curious... Because the
1: way the human brain works, it's by making neural connections within itself. And that's basically what they've done is set up different smaller networks that are interconnected so that they can simulate brain connection. Yes. That's the super simple version. So what they did at the University of Texas, Austin... Is emulate schizophrenia in AI through this neural network by telling it a bunch of stories and establishing relationships between words and events, which is how you build a neural network. And then they had it retain every detail instead of the important ones or the recurrent ones, which normally you want your neural network to retain the common or important bits of information that you've shoved into it so that it can spit back out small, concise, accurate pieces of information. But they didn't do any of that weeding out. They were just like, have all this information and know all of it. And then think about it all the time. Oh. So it retained every detail, whether it was relevant, whether it was common or not. And when they had it spit out the the output, it was completely incoherent. Yeah. Yeah, that is a little scary. At one point, apparently, the computer or the neural network claimed responsibility for a terrorist attack. Oh my god. It it actually told the researchers it had planted a bomb because it confused what it had been fed as a third person report about a bombing with a first person memory that it had.
0: That's pretty chilling. Yeah. Although great if you need somebody to take the fall. Yeah. Like I want that robot. I the want robot to start a gang of bank robbers and then get that robot just to be the It was me all along. Only me. That would be amazing. And you live in Texas, so when you see the insecure, insane robots coming over the hill, can you just give us a shout? you like, hey, they're here. Yeah,
1: I'll let you know. I mean, I Thanks. might be too busy shooting them all, but yeah, I'll let you know.
0: But Go get a fucking Bluetooth and just put it in yeah, while okay. you're shooting the robots. <laughs> hey, guys, they're here. I'm taking down as many as I can. So, Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm has taught
1: robots to lie
0: as you do you want them to be human don't you
1: uh the goal is to make them better than human
0: oh well just make them better liars then
1: well so it taught them to lie and they are able to trick the researchers 75 percent of the time
0: again what is the point of these things just to see if they can yeah (laughs) yeah yeah basically I don't know that that's really a good reason to do anything. You know, a lot of people climb Mount Everest because it's there. And a lot of people's bodies are still on Mount Everest. Maybe you have a practical purpose for what you do with robotics instead of just going, I wonder if we can make it, like, kill stuff. Stuff
1: like this is generally, when it's in its research stage, is generally like, hey, I wonder if we can get it to to do this thing that humans do. But in more developmental stages, this one in particular is being funded by the Office of Naval Research. So... They're apparently planning on using them to do things like protect ammo and other essential supplies. Oh, okay. By being able to hide them and trick people into not thinking that they're where they're hidden.
0: Yeah, well, that has some implications, though.
1: But, yeah, so they're armed, and they hide really well. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's a great idea.
0: At least make it a bad liar. Uh, no, um, the bomb is not here. It's, uh, at my grandma's house. Um, that's exactly where it is. yes. I agree with myself.
1: I want to get into the Asimov protocols, but they did. They mentioned that they did add some sets of protocols as per Asimov to these lying military robots. Sure. Here's here's what it is. The situation has to involve a conflict in which the robot is involved and the lying robot has to benefit from the deception.
0: Oh, well, that makes everything better.
1: Yeah, it can't just lie because it's fun. It has to have...
0: It has to lie so it will be. It will stay superior, sure. It,
1: yeah, so that's not helpful. That doesn't terrify me less.
0: I guess that is the problem with people that really are known for not having the best social skills creating robots. They're the only people that can because they're the only people smart enough to do it. Yeah. But then we all know sometimes the smarter you are, the less you understand basic human interaction.
1: There was a program that taught robots how to be ruthless.
0: Oh, boy. You're really killing my robot buzz. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking at my remote-controlled R2-D2 very shifty-eyed Yeah.
1: Beware the Roomba, everybody. Ugh. So scientists, this is mostly going to be me quoting because paraphrasing is just
0: meh. Sure.
1: Scientists at the Lab of Intelligent Systems took a group of robots, a food source, quote unquote, and a poison source and put them all in a room. So you have robots, food, and poison. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that robots can be poisoned, but no. under the strictures of the experiment, it was poison. Sure. So the robots would get points for staying next to a food source that they found And lose them for being close to the poison. So the robots had little lights attached to them. They would light up randomly, but they could control the light if they wanted to. Like the light would just blink on its own. Or they could turn it on and off at will. And there was a camera to see the light. So when the trials began, it didn't take the robots long to learn that the greater density of blue light was where the other robots were gathering, like where the food was. Right. And if they were emitting those lights at random, they were basically screwing themselves over because they were showing other people or other robots where the food was and giving them points. So the robots just stopped their lights blinking. So we set them a task, and the first thing they did was refuse to help each other.
0: Are all of these part of the same government-funded program called Let's Make Robots a Dick?
1: Yeah, and if that weren't bad enough, some of the robots... Headed away from food sources and started blinking their lights to lead others away.
0: Well, wow. well, I guess the clock has started then. Oh, it started a long time ago. Never been a doomsday guy, but I think I'm gonna go buy myself a uh, underground dwelling. And start packing it with food. Although, when the robot overlords come, it's not going to do much good, because they'll be able to figure out where I am, and their strength will be able to rip down my doors. So, this episode is going to end with the sound of a gunshot on my end of the line, and silence.
1: Well, we're not there yet. Google uh, taught supercomputers the power of imagination. Okay. Google made its own neural network called Deep Dream.
0: No, I haven't heard of that.
1: You should look up some Deep Dream stuff. It's pretty fucking badass. Basically, it's just a supercomputer that goes online and it just looks at everything that we post online and look at online and all of the images that are online. And then it reconstructs images using other images. Oh. They are the trippiest things since Hunter S. Thompson. Like, they're... (laughs) they are creepy and weird and it's it's like from a David Bowie nightmare it's
0: you know very bizarre coincidentally enough i have been rewatching a lot of star trek tng lately mm-hmm. on netflix because i was just in that mood and one of my favorite episodes one of the ones i've probably seen the most is when data dreams and um we're get if we're getting closer to that then everything else is fine i'm okay with that cuz he has some pretty fucked one- fucked up ones too but He has those dreams because he needs to save the crew.
1: Yes, it's it's really weird. So anyway, everybody should look up Google's deep dream and check out the pictures that it's coming up with and like do it when it's daylight so you don't give yourself (laughs) 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 nightmares. Basically, what happens is that this supercomputer deep dream sets itself because it's it doesn't recognize a picture. It doesn't It can't look at a picture and go, that's a kitten. Right. a that house, that's a car, that's a pyramid. It doesn't know what those things are because it doesn't have eyes. It's not intelligent right. as we would perceive intelligence. And so it reinterprets those pictures with concepts that it has already seen. So it'll see like... I don't know, a flower, but it will envision, so to speak, each petal as like the ears of a cat. And so the middle of it will be one cat eye with a bunch of ears spread out around it.
0: Wow. Or whatever. That's really interesting. It's
1: very cool. And so it's imagining these visuals that we aren't seeing because that's not how you see things.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. But it does. That's really cool. Well, at least that's a step in a positive direction. So now we've got psychotic lying robots with nutty dreams that are coming to kill us. Yeah. Eventually. We'll we'll get there, people. Don't don't get your panties in a wad. <laughs> well, I kind of cobbled my list together of specific robots that bring us more toward the positive, you know, Gene Roddenberry esque these things are awesome type mindset. So Good. Let's get a brain cleanser. Yeah, let's do that. The first one I'm not going to be able to say a ton about because it interested me, the design of it interested me, the practicality of it interested me. Uh, I just don't, unfortunately, know a ton about what it could possibly be used for. But my first couple are the more functional, like these are machines made to make our lives easier and in some pretty interesting, fun ways. So the first one is, it's called the Chimp Robot from Tartan Rescue. And it's, you know, one of the things that I think has really led to such a, An immense growth in the robot industry over the past few years is for the longest time, the hardest thing to get a robot to do is simply walk. Yeah. You can't really work the because the human body, as flawed as a machine as it is, as far as balance, as far as adaptation is concerned, we... Got it all over the robots. Um, so it's been really difficult for people to figure out how to get robots to just walk. Yes. And not fall over. That's why you see a lot of robots like, you know, Johnny Five has treads instead of actual legs. Mm-hmm. But the mobility that legs give something allow it to do so much more. And in the past few years, they've made leaps and bounds forward in... Figuring out a good balancing mechanic, making sure robots are not too top-heavy, because all that machinery that's actually running the AI and running the system obviously should probably go in the midsection of the top of the robot. But they've done such a great job lately in just balance. And this is a great example of that. Its feet are kind of... Kind of a little bit tread, but really still feet. It can navigate terrain. It's, it's the kind of robot you could see them sending into a building to save people after a tornado or something. But it also has a lot of practical uses. Its digits are very flexible. But I think it is all controlled, and I could be wrong about this, so please correct me if I am. But I do think it's still—it's not necessarily a leap in AI, because I do think it's still controlled by a person, a driver, quote-unquote. But still, the, the flexibility of it is really fascinating and interesting. Just the practicality of it is really interesting. So look that one up if you get a chance. It's really cool. But the next two things I think are really cool as far as you know you think about robots in a capacity whenever you think about it you always think about i want c3po in my house you know and we'll, well get to those because not i want
1: c3po cuz yeah, he's yeah maybe annoying. not him
0: specifically maybe r2 or bb8 at least but these the mit cheetah and the ls3 pack mule uh this is where i think robotics Another, another thing that's brought it sort of a leap forward is that at some point, the engineers behind these things stopped looking at people and started looking at nature. Yes. Because there's a lot of practical things that you can get from simply studying the way an animal moves. And both these machines are based on the movement of four-legged Beasts of burden, basically. I mean, a cheetah isn't necessarily a beast of burden, but it has some advantages as far as speed is concerned, obviously, dexterity. And so these are basically four-legged machines that are being tested to be used in the military, which I think is really fascinating because one of the biggest problems you have in a situation where you as a person can walk anywhere you want just about, but you only have a limited number of machines that can go with you is that you have to carry a 100 pounds of shit on your back and then crawl over a hill to get to where you need to go to set up camp or to have an advantage of the enemy. And these machines are designed as four-legged creatures that can bear an extreme amount of weight in just your your pack gear, your weaponry, your food, your rations, all that stuff. And they're set up to intelligently follow you yeah it can be via voice command it can be via uh like a a control that you're actually holding i think the more advanced they get the more they're able to simply recognize you by vision and if i saw on one example i think a national geographic documentary about it a guy uh Just basically, he had a little headset on, and he told it to stop, he told it to follow, he told it to sit, he told it to turn off, and it did all those things. And it can go over any type of terrain. Its balancing mechanic is fantastic. If it hits something with one of its legs that throws it off balance, it knows how to self-correct. It lightens the load on people in a great amount of danger so much that this is the kind of thing that you go, you know what, I would love to have a robot that gets me a Coke, but this is kind of what it's for, you know, at least what it should be for is truly helping humanity and helping keep people out of harm's way
1: yeah at this point most of the functional robots are being used for disaster relief
0: oh yeah and it's fantastic you know they're coming out with these great drones that have sort of a group think now that can that can do certain things almost like a flock of birds to where once you set them on a mission they know how to get it accomplished and if one of them gets taken out they immediately compensate for the loss of that one and it's really fascinating and a little bit scary. A little bit, but at the same time, hey, as long as you don't program them to be psychotic, then everything should be fine. I would hope. Mm-hmm. Now this next thing is kind of creepy, but again, I I love the idea of robots so much. This is kind of getting into the more less functional, more wall Let's all be lazy and fat, but I still support that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the henna. Japanese for weird hotel made by, uh, made, well, the idea came from a man named Hideo Sawada. I hope I got that pronunciation right. I'm not trying to be offensive if I didn't. And it is Japan's robot hotel. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen a video of it or an article on it, and I'm not just talking to you specifically, Grizz, but anyone is looking, <laughs> look it up because, you know, it still has some bugs. You know, I saw a video of someone trying to use it and the interface was sometimes a little spotty. But where else are you going to get to check into a hotel via Dinosaur? Yeah. Because they just kind of decided it should have a spirit of fun. But in the video I saw, a guy checked in and spent the night. And there's definitely, I think, with robotics, an idea of sort of that lonely, isolated future. And there was definitely a hint of that there. Because... There was, you know, like I said, there's a robotic dinosaur at the check-in desk. There's also a robotic humanoid at the check-in desk. They're not completely independent AI because they can sort of communicate with you, but they still just basically take button push directions. But there's a smaller AI-connected robot in the hotel room that when you get there, you can tell it to turn off the lights for you. You can tell it to turn the lights on for you. They've eliminated a kitchen with wait staff. so, you know, they have basically... AI vending machines Mm -hmm. that will serve you food, that will give you your robe and your slippers. And there is an element of it that seems very cold and very isolating. But at the same time, it takes a lot of the hassle out of, at least the idea I think will eventually get to the point where it takes a lot of hassle out of travel. You know, sometimes if you're on a trip, you just don't want to deal with people. You just want to go to bed. And I'm not opposed to that. I don't think robots are going to ever replace people in general I like the idea of at least having a choice of going to a place where you're just like, I don't want to deal with a bellhop or a staff or – Made service and it's not completely eliminating the human element it obviously has to have people there doing specific jobs but at the same time it just seemed like for the most part pretty streamlined pretty awesome adventure really into future world
1: yeah uh, the japanese are way ahead of most of us in terms of their daily robotics like we're looking for disaster relief and military applications like how to make your roomba hide your guns right but they're creating uncanny valley neural network sort of computing robots who will sit down and nearly pass a Turing test. Right. They're creepy in how realistic they're able to look and behave.
0: And it's only getting more advanced and better with every year as technology does. Again, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we're replaced by robots. But even, even with like, you know, the joke I made at the beginning of the show about the sex bots, I know I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, we can't do that because it's going to take away human connection. It's going to take away human intimacy. And I don't think that's going to happen. Hey, it's going to be a long time before we ever get to the point with a fully functional sex bot where the normal person can even afford one. But B, I think me personally, I, I, would much rather have a flesh and blood woman. But at the same time, I see a need where there's people who, I'm sorry, there are people that have neuroses. There are people that have physical issues, mental issues. There are simply people that live a very lonely, unfulfilled life and don't have a lot of ability to socialize much less get physically intimate with someone and whether you want to admit it or not i think physical intimacy is very important for most people and if you can at least get some semblance of that i don't see a problem with it
1: like to me okay so this is a slight divergence but there's a purpose for me telling you this so you know how now with the female sexual revolution from several decades ago it's totally Mm -hmm. cool that like every woman has a dildo right that's fine every that's like good you're you know, empowered and whatever you masturbate, whatever. Good for you. You go girl. But dudes who have a fleshlight are mocked. Right. Which a ridiculous. It right. is so much not at all different from a woman. No, having not at the, all. Like it is so exactly the same. I can't, I can't even fathom why that would be right a problem at all, but whatever. So those things exist for both sexes. Yes. For anyone who wants to have non interpersonal s- sexual exploits.
0: Sometimes you just need to get your rocks off.
1: Yeah, whatever. Good. Fine. I'm totally for that. There's now teledildonics where, say, either you and your partner are separated from one another, like on a business trip or whatever. Oh, right. She's got the dildo. You've got the flashlight, but they're connected like via the internet.
0: Ooh. That's interesting. That's
1: the thing that actually exists. Or there are some porn sites and or movies that come with their own that are specifically set up to respond to the porn that you're watching.
0: Well, and I can even see something with like VR headsets now yeah. being able to plug, yep. you know, wirelessly plug into your lover's VR headset on the other side of the country and be intimate at least somewhat
1: yep. that way. So they're working on all of that to make it better because right now it's fairly rudimentary, but it's available. And sure. That's a thing that we have. So the step up from that is to make them independent of your operation. So that would be a sex sex bot of some kind. That's not different. No. It's an expensive, much prettier dildo slash fleshlight. Who gives a shit?
0: And also everyone assumes that it's just men that would be getting them. Oh, hell no. No, obviously not. And, you know, I'm sorry, but we do live in a time where there are some people, like I said, I, I know people who just have such... Social issues. And of course, they're still trying to work on them. But I can think of a handful of people right now who would at least love to experience some kind of intimacy with something that at least (laughs) resembles a human, but have just not been able to accomplish that with a real person. And why would you simply stop them from at least experiencing something as close as they can get?
1: And even that, I'm not even concerned about that. Like the outliers of, I don't want to say mental health, but of social interaction i'm not even concerned about that i'm just talking about you're an adult do whatever right yeah don't take away
0: the option
1: yeah do whatever and if that if whatever you're doing negatively impacts your ability to interact on an interpersonal level that's something that needs to be addressed outside of whatever you're doing right but it doesn't mean that you can't have a dildo or a flashlight or a sex bot or whatever those things are fine In a similar way,
0: it reminds me, you know, you have already said that for a long time you were a dedicated wow player. Yeah. I know people whose marriages have fallen apart because one person was a wow addict and they forwent all physical like not all physical but a lot of their their ability to relate and communicate because all they wanted to do was play this game. Yeah. Does that mean that we have to stop the manufacturers of the game? No. No. Not Those are at
1: individual all. issues. Those are in individuals individual issues.
0: Yeah. And it's way dangerous to have alcohol still legal <laughs> than to be worried about somebody playing World of Warcraft or having a sex bot.
1: Right. So, I, I completely agree. So the fact that you know, like some people in Japan are coming up with Erica, who's this beautiful Turing test passable robot right, who can talk to people. And they have a conversational robot, I think, on the ISS to be able to converse with the lone astronaut floating in space all by himself. Right. So that he doesn't go insane. Uh, yeah. To me... Like, that's nearly as good as having actual human companionship because all that all you need is some kind of interaction.
0: Yes. And you can do it on your terms. I think a lot of people that have relatability problems, social anxieties, interpersonal problems, it's because they can't just snap their fingers and have somebody there when they need that interaction and then say, go the fuck away when they don't.
1: Right. And going to a therapist is really expensive. Every time yes. you want to talk to somebody about something.
0: Yes. So it's just like, you know what? Why not? I mean, dude, I would have a data in a heartbeat if I could. Yeah, that'd be great. And and I'm not even I, I'm not people's champion. But, you know, I joke all the time about how I hate people. But there are definitely people I like. But I can tell you, even as, say, being a, a single parent, there are so many nights where I would love to be out hanging out with my friends. And I just simply can't. Sure. Because I have responsibilities. If I could just say, you know what, I feel like talking to someone and not on the phone and not in a conversation that, that you know, I worry I'm wasting their time or that they really have something else to do.
1: I just want to hang out. I just want to hang out. They have these telecommunication robots now that are basically like little mechanical snowmen. They're just like a ball on another ball on another ball. Right. On rollers. And on top, there's a monitor. Snowden, Edward Snowden, just addressed a conference using one of them. Very cool. And it's basically just a mobile your face. It's just video chat, but it's on a moving semi body like
0: I would have one of those in a heartbeat.
1: See, seriously. Do you want to go to the bar tonight? I can't, I got my kid to watch. I would kinda of like to hang out and be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Fucking bring your little wheelie robot along, and then you can be you can be there. Yes. You can be there. Yes like physically as a body that they can look at and your face is there. And I mean, you have to, obviously you'd have to, a webcam or sure, however sure, sure. that was set up so that you could actually be paying attention. But you could be a physical body instead of like somebody call me up on your iPhone and set the phone on the table. Right. No one's <laughs> going to be paying attention to you. You're a phone on the table. No one will right. hear you. It'll be shitty. But you're this physical thing that wheels up next to the table and is sitting there with everybody else. And you can participate in the conversation. That's, an, that's a personal thing that they're using currently for... You know, conferences and seminars and all sorts of long-distance telecommunication, but you can just use that. Yeah,
0: you know, it's, it's funny every year when I get my tax returns I will kind of splurge on one thing. Like, not waste it all, but I'm like, I've got a little bit more expendable income than normal I'll buy a new console that I've wanted for a while that's discounted. Sure. And last year I wanted to get a Jibo so badly because I saw a video, and that's basically what it is. It's sort of this really cute thing that goes on your table with a head that can spin around, and it communicates with you through AI, and then if you want to talk to someone on the phone, it'll pull up their web cam and you can talk to them. It basically is representing a much smaller version of their body. Uh, The problem was I learned through research that the video was kind of very aspirational (laughs) and that it really didn't do half of the things they said it did. Okay. But once something like that becomes a little bit more interactive the way the video portrayed it to be, then... Yes, I would I would have one of those in a heartbeat. And it's kind of leading into the last couple of robots on my list that I'm the most excited about. And some of these have been out for a while. I mean, I've known about them for a while, but we never really talked about robotics before in detail. The first one that I think is representative of everything we just talked about and is sort of in its infancy, and I'm really excited to see where it goes from here, is Honda's awesome i I'm sure everybody's seen it. If you haven't, look it up. It's that magical sort of very futuristic thing that we might not have thought we'd see in our lifetimes. It's not suitable for everyone's use right now, mainly because it's ungodly expensive. And it has a what I'm sure is a very expensive battery pack that only lasts for an hour once it's charged.
1: Well, I think there's just the one of him, isn't there?
0: I think there are more now.
1: Okay, well, that must be pretty recent then, because last I heard, Asimo was he was just himself. He was the prototype.
0: Right. But the prototype, even if there is just one, I think it's amazingly exciting because he can do all those things that we pictured You know, almost back to the Jetsons and their robot maid. I mean, he is basically the infancy of that. He can run. He can run, which he can bounce on one leg. He does facial recognition. He talks to you. He answers questions all without anyone controlling him. He's totally independent. He can... You know, he can go into the kitchen and get you a drink and pour you a glass and bring it to you if you want it to. And, you know, this isn't just me wanting a servant or wanting an excuse to be lazy. But just the idea that we have that technology in this prototype, I am so excited to see where that goes from here. And I think because of things like Osimo, you get things like the Now, which is a robot you can actually purchase and own. It's still ungodly. It's more money than I have. And that's N-A-O by Aldebaran. But it's A adorable. B is one of those beautiful uh, uh, aspects of engineering where he doesn't even look It definitely is a robot that can not only walk on two feet and looks very humanoid as far as robots go. He doesn't have the fake flesh over his face or anything, but uh, it is basically like having your own R2-T2, except he's walking. And if he falls, he can get up. Well, he or she. I don't mean to gender specify this robot. (laughs) But it, it talks to you and answers questions. Once it's on, it sort of just has this life of its own where it will communicate with you. It will do things you ask it to do. There's a really cute video in the office's of the company that created the now, I guess it looks like everyone at this company has one on their desk, which is awesome because he's only about like two feet tall. Yeah. And this guy is trying to work and he's got a little trash can on his desk and the now gets bored and reaches into the trash can, all of its own accord, pulls out a sock and tosses it onto his keyboard because it wants him to give it some attention. And he's like, not now, I'm working. And it literally folded its arms and pouted.
1: (laughs) that's adorable.
0: It is adorable, you gotta look it up, that's N-A-O. And that is a robot that you could have in your house that once you get the hang of it, because I did see someone buy one on YouTube and try and purchase it, and it took a little while for him to figure out how to get the programs really running At optimal levels but that is like having just a little robot buddy just you know it's not really a servant robot it's not going to be able to do a lot of things for you because it's small and not that particularly strong you know it's not it's not hulk strong or anything but it is definitely that big step towards an actual robot you can have in your home that is just your little robot buddy and i think that's amazing Um, The last one on my list and the most exciting thing to me is kind of the bridge between the NOW and the o is the MYON, that's M-Y-O-N, from Neurobotics Research Research Lab. And the most interesting thing about this is for the longest time, people that delved into robotics, especially with AI, when AI is concerned, they sort of approached it as in a, we got to put all this information in and it's got to know things as soon as we turn it on. And all this other stuff. And these guys approached it from the from the aspect of why don't we treat a robot and its AI as if it were a child? Yes. And let it learn as it grows. And this robot is fascinating. It's about four feet tall. And in the clip I saw, I think another National Geographic special on AI, two of these robots were communicating with each other completely independent of human interaction and telling each other to do things and learning about themselves as they spoke to each other one would raise an arm and the other one would raise the opposite arm and if it wasn't the right arm or the right motion the robot that raised its arm first would actually shake its head and the other robot would try again until it got it right and again very humanoid in form you know no again no like fake flesh or anything but very humanoid in form. Two legs, they can walk, tumble every once in a while, but I'm sure they know how to get up if they do, because the now can. So what I saw was this beautiful example of robotics in like literal infancy, really, because these robots are created with the intelligence of a toddler that their AI can grow as they interact. You can actually teach them. And that, to me, is that big step forward to a point where you will have intelligent robots say, in a nursing home, which they kind of are already experimenting with in a lot of places, just not this kind of intelligence, that can, like we said before, help lonely people, give them a companion. You have a person, a thing in your house that can get you things if you need it, that can help you do things physically you just simply can't do anymore. And, you know, for me personally, just a, I want a robot buddy. I just want a robot buddy.
1: Well, the thing about like Myon in particular and the now and to a slightly lesser extent Asimo and future robots that are being developed, I'm sure, is the style of learning that they use. It's really cool until they learn that they should kill all
0: the humans or whatever. Yeah, but they won't kill me cuz I'm cuz it's my robot buddy. The point of that is if you learn if you have self-teaching
1: computers. Sure that artificial intelligence soon becomes sapient of its own accord. Sure. And then it kind of doesn't
0: matter what you've programmed. I I totally get that. And for some reason, maybe ignorance, naivete, I don't know, because I don't even really consider myself an optimistic person in general. I'm not afraid of the... I I think we've been programmed through movies and television and everything and dystopian futures to just expect progress to end up being a disaster. And I think robots are a very easy symbol of that.
1: Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right.
0: But for me, every time I see something like that, I'll go, ooh. Well, A, I go, ooh, I want one. And B, I go, look at all the things these could potentially help with. Because also look at all the things of technology that someone has put forward that everyone was terrified by at the time that's turned out to be something we can't live without. And not in a bad way.
1: Do you know what I would like the Mayan to be for? Hmm. I would like the Mayan to be for people who think they want children but would be terrible parents.
0: Oh, that's an amazing That would be an amazing use for it.
1: That way they have a child that they can't actually harm. Right. And who won't ever grow up to be a detriment to the rest of us.
0: Right. And they would learn very quickly that there's a lot of responsibility that goes into yeah taking care of this robot and they're like, well, fuck that. I don't want a kid. Yeah. Because usually people that end up being bad parents are the people that don't realize how much work it is and then go, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore.
1: Or how much what they wanted to be was an uncle. Right. Or whatever. That would
0: be great. You know, it's funny. On a smaller scale, I've seen toys that are starting to incorporate that where it's like, here's a baby doll. That actually acts like a baby. So you got to realize real quick, this isn't just a, oh, I'm playing with it, and playing with it, and now I put it away. That, no, it needs attention. It was like, you know, when we were in middle school and we did the egg.
1: Yep, we had a bag of flour.
0: But, yeah, it's the same concept. Yeah, I think that'd be a great use of a robot. Just to show anyone, that, like, if you can't take care of this robot, then you should seriously reconsider having children.
1: <laughs> and, I mean, because a lot of people are like, well, you should get a dog or you should get a cat. But those are also living things. Yes, No, get this fucking robot. And if you can't handle this robot, whom presumably you can just turn off. Right. Like, if it's too much work for you and you have to turn it off, you don't get one.
0: Look, I don't even have a robot. And I put a lot of work into turning people off every day.
1: (laughs) I think that because what's weird to me is people like us on the outside Mm -hmm. will look at robotics and think, oh, cool, robot this, robot that. And also the three laws of robotics. Right. And I haven't seen any of these robotics developers mention that shit at all. Yeah. (laughs) It's like Asimov didn't exist in this world that we live in
0: where robots are being made well yeah but at the same time i think i think a lot of them a probably worshiped isaac asimov at one point or the other and probably know the robot rules very well and they just don't come out in public and say yeah we're gonna abide by them it's just assumed
1: i mean a lot of it's probably that the the ai is simply not advanced enough to require that level of law making for its behavior because honestly can a myon kill somebody no On purpose, almost certainly not. Like, just no. Can a now kill somebody on purpose? Yeah, it just... I don't know, though. With that ever-increasing learning development... Could it learn that, yes, at one point I could shove this sock into his mouth?
0: (laughs) Maybe that's what it was trying to do on the video. Yeah, maybe. That's why it was pouting. Uh, I missed his mouth.
1: I can climb up on the bed and put this pillow over his face and sit on it.
0: Sure. And that's, you know, I get that fear. I really do. I don't personally have it. I will say my paranoia extends to the aspect of A.I., the wireless intelligence, the fact that your robot can identify you, and if you were to say leave it on all the time, it can watch everything that you do. Where does that information go? Yeah. I do have that in the back of my mind.
1: Yeah, because then you get to, there are more and more robots that are more and more connected, and we're, we're almost there now.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got so many cameras either through people's phones, or on the street, or on top of buildings, yep. watching every movement we make.
1: And a whole bunch of just home webcams that are just open and that people can just access
0: yes and that's just like inviting a robot that you're inviting that into your home and letting it follow you around
1: exactly and with that constant increase to artificial intelligence and that interconnectivity when does it get to the point where yes the intelligence is advanced enough that the three laws of robotics actually do come into play and they are Hmm. valid and they are used and then How long does it take for it to become that you need to also include the zeroth law so that humanity is protected? And then when does that become humanity is protected by killing all humans? Right. Or whatever. Or taking over all of human enterprise.
0: I mean, we're talking about Ultron, basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's really not that far off that Ultron gets on the Internet, reads everything on the Internet and goes and goes, humans are shitty. We need to kill them all.
0: Well, he's not wrong.
1: He's not wrong. And that's my problem.
0: (laughs) But I also think that, like, to me, I think the I do think that there's possibly a chance of something like that happening. But I'm willing to make the sacrifice. Like, I think it's such a small chance. I guess that's what we always have to weigh with any advance in technology. Is the possible negatives going to outweigh the definite positives? For me, as far as robotics are concerned, the possibility of those negatives is not enough for me to go, oh, we shouldn't do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. at this point, I totally agree. And since none of that will have advanced far enough in my lifetime to even right. be a concern and then I'll be dead, I don't really give a shit. But it is still a thing. The reason it's not just because robots are a really good way to say the advance of technology is scary. But I mean kind of the advance of technology is scary and robots are a really good way to look at why that is scary because if we're trying to make a new and eventually better human because it's all mimicry it's all copycat sure. of like the human brain's cortex and how our physical form moves right those things that they're developing are meant to be us but better right well eventually they'll be us but better and then where will we be
0: hanging out with better versions of us yeah <laughs> Which I have no problem with. Hey, better me. Maybe you can tell me how to talk to this chick. Right. I mean, look, I am totally willing to sacrifice the whole of mankind if that means I get to have a couple of years with a little robot buddy. OK, that's just me. You can criticize me all you want. Humanity.
1: No, me too. I'm really I'm I'm happy to sacrifice all of humanity for a lot less than that. So
0: <laughs> Like if the door if you heard a knock on your door today and you opened it and there was like basically a data standing there going, I'm here to be your robot pal. Would you be like, mm, I don't like these implications? Or would you be like, come the fuck in? Uh, I'd have some questions. <laughs> well, yeah, get those obvious questions out of the way. But
1: my questions would not include, are you here to doom all of humanity eventually? Right. I don't give a shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Just where'd you come from? Do you need to eat? Who made
1: you and or sent you and why me? And all of those important questions as to why I would let a strange
0: thing into my home. And if he or she has a good answer for all those, you've got a new robot buddy. I'd think about it. I wouldn't. I don't care who sent you or why. Come on in. They've
1: been teaching robots to lie, so...
0: Well, then we're screwed either way, right. at least for a little while, while he's pretending to be my friend, while gathering information from me that, for some reason, can be used to destroy all humanity. Like My last dying words would be, at least I had a robot buddy for a couple of hours. <laughs> so, on that note, I think we've said all we can say in this episode anyway. It's not like we covered even a Yes, we're done with robots now. Yeah, yeah, totally. We, we covered, covered it, it all. all. You don't need to know anything else about robotics, and you have the lucky 10,000 to thank for that. <laughs> Speaking of that, how would people get in touch with us, Carissa, if they wanted to thank us for educating them on all aspects of robotics ever?
1: Every bit of all that you will ever need to know about robotics. Yep. You're welcome. You can thank us on Twitter at Lucky underscore 10K, or you can email us directly at Lucky10,000 at gmail.com.
0: Excellent. And don't forget, you can also give us five-star reviews on Stitcher and iTunes. Whatever you write in that review, we will read on the air as long as it's a five-star review. So please do that. Also, share us with your friends. That's the best way to get the word out. Word of mouth helps better than anything else. And I think that's everything. So until next time, I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000, with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And, visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.